0: welcome back to the One Link Podcast. Glad you're with us today. We're continuing our series about mobilizing students. How do we get students to engage and pursue God to the nations? So our previous two, we talked with Micah and Peter, really focusing in on how do we engage with students that we know, people when we're talking one-on-one or even if we don't know them well, but we get to sit down one-on-one. Now I want to talk about How do we engage from the stage? How do we share with a larger audience and mobilize them? Some of you guys may be pastors. You may be alums. You may be invited to speak, even if it's at your church. Like, hey, can you come to speak to our group and talk about the nations? And you may not be very well connected with them. So I thought I would bring on the traveling team because nobody I know does mobilization from the stage better than them. So let's jump in. With a gentleman named Seth. Hey, Seth, welcome to the One Link podcast. I'm so glad you could spend a little time sitting down with me today.
1: Good to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we're in the middle of a series on mobilization, and we've talked some with people about how do you mobilize? How do you have a conversation with somebody that you know? Now we wanted to have a conversation with how do you mobilize groups of people that you don't know yet? How do you go and speak to a group of people? To do that, And when I was thinking about doing that, n- nobody does that better than the traveling team that I know of. So I reached out to some of your people and got to sit down with you. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. I'm looking forward to hearing what all you guys do, seeing what we can learn from that out of that. Why don't we start out? Give us a little bit of your background, how you got, got a heart for the nations, how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, totally. So for me, I've been in ministry for 10 years now. This is my 11th year. Did junior high youth ministry for four years before moving overseas to East Asia, Uh, spending a year over there before joining staff for the traveling team. Uh, Traveled for three years, speaking about God's heart for the nations. Every state west of the Mississippi except Iowa. And then after that, became our office director, moved to Conway, Arkansas, and now I lead our office team. So Yeah, that was a little bit about what I've been up to the last 10 years, but um, what kind of sparked my heart for that early on was my freshman year of high school. I was at a conference, and I think they were just talking about going into ministry, kind of giving your life to making God's name known. I I prayed the prayer that night, God, I will go anywhere and do anything for you. And that was, I mean, that was an honest prayer. uh, But after that, it was always God being faithful to me, bringing me back to his mission and honestly, putting people in my life who were able to to give me that next step. So in college, my my pastor recommended the Perspectives course, and, and up until that point, I'd been interested in missions, but it just looked like going and helping people. But then when when I took Perspectives, I realized like, oh man, the, the unreached, like that is that is missions, like that's what we need to be doing. We need to be taking the gospel to these unreached places. Uh, now, from that moment on, it's kind of been, that's what I want to give my life to is to to make God's name known among the unreached. And yeah, that's kind of been the focus ever since then, whether that's been in youth ministry. So teaching kids about God's heart for the nations and encouraging them to pray for missionaries, watching them go from praying for their dog every week to praying for <laughs> missionaries and unreached people groups was just, it was awesome. Uh, but then mm-hmm. actually going to East Asia and working with unreached people uh, and now mobilizing people to go and take the gospel to those places. So it's looked different, but I think my mission has kind of always been the same Yeah, awesome. since then. Awesome.
0: Yeah. How'd you get connected to the traveling team?
1: Yeah. So in 2013, I went on our summer project and at the time it was in Pasadena, California. So seven weeks, a uh, summer discipleship training program, And we bring in speakers on every major world religion. Most of whom have been missionaries or have come out of those religions. And they'll visit a mosque, Hindu temple, Buddhist temple, and and that kind of stuff. So uh, it was that summer that I, I I kind of finally put my face towards Jerusalem. That's what my pastor says and and gave my life to like, no, I'm going to pursue this because you don't end up in missions on accident. You have to Mm -hmm. pursue it because Mm -hmm. no one's going to hold your hand the whole way to get there. Uh, and that's kind of been yeah, ever since that summer with Nathan Allen, when he sat down with me and challenged me to, to take things a little bit more seriously, uh, I've kind of, that's been my focus.
0: Excellent. So what was it like traveling around all over the Western half of the United States? Uh, you're at a different, different campus, multiple c- campuses, maybe in a week. Um, how do you? How did you do that? Effective? What makes the traveling team, the traveling team, and what makes you effective?
1: Totally. So, from a, a ministry standpoint, I think the the reason we're effective is this is the scriptures, <laughs> like just going from Genesis to Revelation, and and honestly presenting it in a way we're, we're basically tracing a biblical theology of missions. Um. So so to give people that high view, uh, that thirty thousand feet. Uh, the Bible from thirty thousand feet. When people experience that, I think that there's, you, you have to do something with it because you you now see this this thread throughout all of Scripture where God, uh, promised Abraham that that he he was going to make him uh, a great nation and he was going to bless him and make his name great so that he would be a blessing, mm-hmm. and so then when you follow that through Scripture, you watch Abraham and his offspring actually do that. We 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 see him part of the Red Sea, and then God uses that story to make his name known to, to Rahab. Uh, or um, we see David and Goliath, and uh, David defeats Goliath, and then God is using that to make his name known to the Philistines. Uh, so then when you, when you see that thread throughout scripture, and then you see that God's going to use Jesus to bring salvation to earth, and then it goes to the ends of the earth through us, I think that the reason we're effective is people just haven't seen that before. They kind of get lost in the weeds a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So to see that, that biblical theology of missions from 30,000 feet, uh, it changes lives. Mm
0: -hmm. I know I had a friend when I was at OSU that had joined, was on staff there, then joined the traveling team. And when he came back through, there was some things that's like, I've I've been a, a uh, passionate follower of Christ for a long time. And I had never caught, never realized that that was in some of those stories, you know? And yeah, uh, yeah, it's awesome to bring that out. What do y'all do in terms of like setting up when you're going to visit a campus? What do you do to try to set it up to make it the most effective visit you can? How long do you like to be at a campus? What do you like yeah. to do before or after?
1: That's a good question. So uh, my job actually now is to to lead our schedulers and and to make sure that all makes sense logistically and that kind of stuff. But we hit every state every other year, so it kind of depends on the campus. If if a campus there's a lot of ministries that will have us in, we'll be there for a week, two weeks, sometimes a little bit longer. Sometimes we'll leave and come back. Yeah. I mean, it kind of just depends. Sometimes we're, we're at a campus for, for one night as we're passing through, uh, but we kind of plan all that out ahead of time, map out the, the region map out what campuses we're going to when, And then we just reach out to the campus ministers and ask them if they want to have us in. And it's tough. I mean, our schedulers have a really hard job. It, I mean, you know, in ministry, you just that your focus isn't always kind of like talking to the, the, the ministries that are trying to come in and speak, you know, so, but they're, they're faithful to just continue to reach out and continue to ask these campus ministers to have us in. So that's from a logistics standpoint, we're doing a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of texts, and we're trying to figure out How to make it better. So, if you have any ideas, we are open. (laughs) But the goal is we generally get 45 to 50 meetings a semester.
0: Okay. Per team.
1: Per team. Yeah. And we have three teams throughout the country. Okay. Yeah. Did that answer your question?
0: Yeah. That answered my question. What about do you, do you have the, do you try to get the campus minister to do anything ahead
1: of time
0: or do y'all do anything ahead of time to kind of prep the pump, if you will?
1: Yeah. So, we have some, some promo packs and stuff like that. But honestly, I think it's better to just catch the students off guard a little bit <laughs> mm. because if you tell students, Hey, we're having a missions night, mm. half of them aren't going to show up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and those are the students that we want to be there. Yeah. And that's why we have the model that we have is we're able to go to these campus ministries every other year and they have a new batch of students mm-hmm. who who maybe grew up in the church. Maybe they didn't, but, uh, they, they a lot of times don't know that God has a heart for the nation. Um, so that's just that's really cool the campus minister does and, and they know that they have new students who who don't have that heart um, so we're able to come in and, and kind of share that and yeah did that answer that question
0: <laughs> yeah it did yeah what's the ideal length of time if you if you're if everything was perfect and everyone would organize their schedule around yours uh, which if you figure out how to do that let me know but uh <laughs> what, how long would you stay at a campus what do you find to be the most effective amount of time
1: I mean, yeah, that, that would depend on, maybe, maybe that depends more on the amount of ministries. So if mm. you're at, I don't mean, know, what's a school that has a, a ton of campus ministries. Uh, I mean, Florida state, like they have crew navigators, uh, BCM. So if we're there for a week, we're able to speak to each one of those. We, we, we would rather do a meeting at each ministry. Mm-hmm. So we don't really want to do joint meetings if possible. Cause that again, it, it When you do those joint meetings, students drop off. They don't go to Uh, that that joint mm -hmm. meeting. It's just what we've noticed over the years. So we want to get them in their natural habitat, I guess, and uh, just fit into their their night like a normal night. There's just a guest speaker. Um, So, I I mean, it really does depend on the campus and how many ministries they have because uh, most of our follow-up at this point is all done virtually. So phone Mm -hmm. calls texting uh and, and we love doing that but we don't have to be on the campus anymore to, to do that yeah. which we used to do one-on-one meetings mm-hmm. after so honestly it just depends on the amount of ministries and how many people want to have us in mm-hmm.
0: so ideally you'd be like there a day a day per ministry give or take
1: yeah no that's that's good and if, occasionally we do double headers where we'll do one ministry at six and then we have another one at seven thirty or eight but yeah it's probably about a day per ministry. That's, that's definitely the best. Mm
0: -hmm. Then what kind of follow-up do you guys like to do? How do you divide that between you and the campus
1: minister? So that kind of depends on the campus minister. A lot of times they'll ask us, Hey, let me know what students you follow up with. Give me a list so I can follow up with them and we'll we'll totally do that. Mm -hmm. And then this is one of my favorite things about our ministry. We have partnering agencies that we work with, but we always recruit to the ministry's, opportunities first mm-hmm. so we want to hear from the student kind of hear their heart if if we sense that maybe they don't understand the gospel we're going to share the gospel with them if we uh, can kind of sense they're more of a baby believer and the cruise summer mission makes sense for them we're going to we're going to do that or if uh i mean going overseas with with one link if we're at a bcm or, or um or whatever if that makes the most sense we're going to encourage that and then if a student's like, hey, I'm an engineer. Do you know how I can use my engineering degree overseas? That's when we'll connect them with one of our partnering agencies. But we try to be as unbiased as possible in that. That's why I love our ministry. We're recruiting to the vision, not these agencies. Yeah, so the follow-up process is, depending on the student, shoot them a text. They uh, send us their, or we send them our, our calendar. And ideally, they would follow up right then and Fill out of time to, to talk on the phone. Uh, but it's one by one. I mean, we we just value that one-on-one time with the students, even, even though it is over the phone. Just try to hear their heart and encourage them in their next step. One thing I've been thinking about a lot recently is I feel like students, when they hear this for the first time, if they're if their desire is to be obedient, they're, they're gonna say, oh man, am, am I supposed to go? You know, and then they kind of like immediately freak out, which is a good question to ask. But that's not your next step. Your next step probably isn't to to, to sign up to go overseas for twenty years. You know, your mm-hmm. next step is to start praying for unreached people. Your mm-hmm. next step is to to welcome that international student on your campus. And so, hearing from the students, kind of hearing where they're at, and then giving them a the next step that that actually makes sense. A lot of times, it might just be reading their Bible, <laughs> making sure <laughs> that God ha- does Basically. have a heart for the nations, and yeah, figuring out what to do with with the great commission. So that was something that hit me recently when I did a meeting was just, and we start so big and we freak out, like let's just start small and be faithful and pray. One of the only things Jesus commands us to pray that he would send laborers into the harvest Mm, field.
0: That's good. That was kind of random, but it felt (laughs) like the right time. (laughs) Yeah. Throw it out there. Throw it out there. How do you gauge success in your ministry? Like, how do you say like, Hey, this was a successful mobilization versus. I mean, I think anyone that's ever spoke very much, they have a few times where you leave and you're like, ah, I'm gonna do better than that next
1: time. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you're you're talking to David Englehart tomorrow. Going down to to New Mexico State and, and speaking to their ministry is awesome. And and we love doing that. And those meetings get you hyped because it's like the students get it, you know, this is awesome. But honestly, I mean, the the times where the reason we exist i think is more for the ministries that maybe it was a little more frustrating to be at maybe the mm-hmm. it didn't feel like the campus minister really got what we were doing but they heard the biblical basis of missions that night and and maybe some students were a little uh, annoyed with us afterwards or yeah i i mean one of my friends that i was in east asia with she was actually me and her were the, the team leaders she said the first time she heard the traveling team she was angry afterwards mm. but then she decided like realize that God does have a heart for the nations and she gave two years of her life in any stages. So a lot, the success is so hard to gauge, especially because we're there one day, gone the next. We don't get to see a lot of the fruit, but it's that people hear that there are unreached people in the world and we're not going to shy away from that. We're not going to shy away from scripture. We're not going to shy away from the gospel being the only way. So when people hear that, and maybe it's a little more frustrating, those are also success. So it kind of depends on the ministry, Mm -hmm. how we, how we feel afterwards. But I mean, if we're faithful in presenting God's word, yeah, I mean, that's, that's success for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: One of the interesting things, both uh, talking to you guys and the two episodes before this, that's what ever, that's what everyone has said is basically like, it's the scripture. Uh, Mm. You first personally being convinced of it. And then and then sharing that basis. And I think sometimes, myself included, we think like I got to go wow them with this story. I've got to hit them with with all these these good things. And and y'all have some good stories. You have some great statistics and some ways you present that mm. that I find super compelling. But it's really the word of God, you know, that penetrates the heart and and changes. Totally. Speaking of statistics, how do y'all come up with some of these crazy statistics? Um, like <laughs> there's more taxi <laughs> like, drivers uh, we spend in more. Wait, what were you gonna say? Yeah, Which I was gonna one? do the, the the taxi driver in Las Vegas,
1: dude. This is actually wild. So our our bosses Todd or Claude, They'll they'll basically read a statistic, and then they f- they figure something like that out. Like they'll, how many taxis are there in Las Vegas or whatever? And it's like, oh, there's more. So then we just put that on our website, you know. So it's kind of funny. We have the statistics uh, compiled from from a variety of of people who are compiling stats. Uh, Gordon Connell, I think is one of the biggest ones, one of the biggest places we get a lot of our statistics, but yeah, I mean, those images are super helpful. And when you just say 3 billion unreached, man, that's a lot, but it doesn't give you the scope. But when you say, man, if every Christian in the world shared the gospel with every single person at, they ever met, there's still 3 billion people that didn't hear. Those are the kind of things that stick with people or, or the what what even is that? I don't even remember the more. Yeah, there's more, in, more taxi
0: drivers in Las Vegas than uh, missionaries to the unreached. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> but that sticks yeah. with
1: you, right? I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or we spend more money on Halloween costumes for our pets than mm-hmm. we send to the unreached. Like, yeah, those kinds of things are just they're wild. But usually just someone sees a statistic and they're, they think, how can I convey this in a way that's going to make sense to people and they're going to understand what, what that actually looks like. Excellent. How much, uh,
0: you guys go around, how much, how much time do you have like two or three messages that you give, like the same thing over and over or how much variety and change does that take on?
1: Totally. So all of our speakers have three to five talks that they do, but we always want to do the biblical basis first. So I I would say out of 45 meetings that we do in a semester, probably 40 of them are going to be the biblical basis of missions. Uh, and we just want people to get that foundation first. And then we'll do some of our other talks that kind of build off that. But like I said, like if if we can get the scripture in front of these students in front of these campus ministers, we're going to do that. Uh, so then we do a, a cool like history of missions talk where we tell stories of William Carey and Hudson Taylor and Amy Carmichael uh, but those are all, they all supplement the scriptures because these people read the Great Commission and took it seriously. So we're able to kind of use what we talked about before and build off of that with, with some of these stories. And then we talk about task remaining, which we do mention in our biblical basis talk. We always talk about 1040 window, uh, but that kind of expands on that. What is it? Unreached people group and just more 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 definitions and stuff like that. And then five habits of a world Christian. So go, send, pray, give, mobilize. Those are kind of the bread and butter talks, and then we kind of build off from that.
0: So if you're at a ministry for like, you get a couple of times to talk to them, you'll do like the biblical basis and then choose
1: one of the others, depending on where they're at. Totally. Yeah. So a lot of times we'll get asked to do a retreat. So we'll start with biblical basis Friday night. Saturday we'll do Mm. task remaining and Mm -hmm. history talk, and then end it with five habits, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah.
0: What about just overall presentation skills? I assume that when you try out to be on the traveling team you have to already have a little bit of public speaking experience but like what do you typically find? What are the things people do that diminish or take away from the the message being delivered? What do you all find yourselves coaching
1: people on? That's a really good question. So honestly, we we do look for that a little bit. A lot of our staff come from our summer project, so we maybe try to get them in front of the other students once or twice and just see how comfortable they are. But that's not how we hire really. And there we've hired people with no public speaking experience and then we just, we train them. And when you're able to give a talk 200 times in a year or or over a two year period or whatever, you kind of just naturally learn how to do it, you know? Yeah. So we start with our new staff will do the world vision illustration, which is a lot more interactive. And then their speaking skills just kind of build from there. But as far as what takes away from the talk, I mean, I think when you focus a little too much on your stories and not as much on the scripture, you can you can mm-hmm. tell, you know, mm-hmm. you can tell when a when a speaker cares more about what the audience thinks about them than than with their message, you know. So those kinds of things, where I just remind guys, like, there's one of our staff is giving the biblical basis for, for the second time. He gave one last year, and he's given another one but it's his first big one. His last one was at a small group. So he's speaking to 150 students tonight. And I was just telling him like, dude, this is not your authority. This is the, the authority of the scripture. You know, you have, you have, you can go in there and be confident in your message because it's God's word, not because it's your word. And that for me, when I was on the road, I can't speak for all the travelers, but for me, that was the biggest thing. When I'm thinking about myself up there, I screw up. And even if I thought I did a good job, like, two people show up to our part two and, and you know, but when even so there's the other time, other times when you're like, man, I, I did terrible tonight, but everyone stays for part two and you're like, Oh, it's literally just God. you know, <laughs> It's pre- presenting the scriptures in a way that can penetrate their hearts. Like you said. And yeah, so we just got to kind of get out of our own way, not think about ourselves too much and practice and be professional and tweak our every sentence of our talk. But it's just presenting scripture over and over.
0: But how do y'all deal with all the traveling? That's just a lot of traveling.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's person to person. So we, we basically traveled during the semester. So fall and spring, and it wears on some people more than it does on other people. I'm just a very go with the flow person and can kind of just sleep wherever and meet new people. So it, the negative effects weren't as as strong probably, but it it's having those those habits of being able to feed yourself, knowing what you need when you're on the road. And then honestly, at this point, like I like eight hour road trips. Like I I, I want to be on the road for eight hours so I can listen to my podcast, podcast. or listen to my book. Mm-hmm. But a five hour seems like too short. So it's just kind of wild how you get used to that. But yeah, for me it was it was very much like Go with the flow. You just you are where you are, and if you believe in the mission, you just kind of keep going. But and that's it's so hard for other people. Uh, We just try to make sure they're they're feeding themselves and their team leaders kind of know where they're at and how to help them. Yeah, it's but it is a wild schedule for sure. And then when they're home, we allow them. I mean, time with family and with their church, and encourage them to get plugged in with their small groups and even do mobilization while they're home, but that's not the focus. It's more just taking care of yourself, getting a little bit of work done, but, but when you're on the road, that's when you're really going hard. So
0: how much do you think your time overseas and the skills you learned there at like feeding yourself outside of your normal American church rhythms and resources, how much of that helped you on the road?
1: I mean so much. Yeah. I I would say, I mean, I had a church, in East Asia where we were at, it was an international church, but I wouldn't say like I was getting fed really well there, you know? Um, so just kind of knowing like, all right, I need to listen to a David Platt sermon today, or I, You know, I need, I need some John Piper. I need some good Bible. I need to work on my habits and, and make sure that I'm, I'm connected, but yeah, it, it's different for, for every person. Like I'm more likely to listen to a Piper sermon than I am to listen to worship music that just feeds me more, you know? So yeah, being overseas was, was huge. And it was just kind of thrown into that. <laughs> Before that, I, I had the same church. I had an amazing pastor every week and you're just kind of thrown into that and figure it out with your team, making sure you're getting community with your team and asking hard questions and loving each other well. And honestly, this is, this is one of the biggest things I was able to, to lead my team the last two years on the road. And when you when you take Philippians two, three and four seriously, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourself, it it helps, like it makes everything better. If I'm thinking about my teammate, I'm asking them how they're doing, we're all better off. If I'm thinking about myself, if all I care about is my comforts in the van and her chewing is annoying me or whatever, like that just causes so much strife on the team. So that was kind of random, but to go back to your question, uh, it's huge, and you don't realize how much you rely on that that weekly sermon until it's gone. But being on the road, they they're always trying to to go to church and to get that, but it's not always it's not always possible. So, yeah, but it's a lot harder yeah. to run from your problems too when you're on the road. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. There's some team dynamics at play. And we say the same thing with our, with our one link teams and the, to the extent that they deal with those problems and work through those things, that probably has almost as big of impact as anything else on whether they view their summer as successful or not. You can have all kinds of issues, but if your team dynamics are good, you're like, we fought them. We, you know, we're in it together. On the other hand, you can have a lot of great spiritual things happen and you can kind of leave with a sour, sour taste in your mouth.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is it it's Philippians too. I mean, when you know what Jesus did for you, it's so much easier to forgive your teammates, and everything is just a million times better <laughs> absolutely.
0: that's true. What about if people listening to this wanted some resources because uh, they may some of them may have never been through like God's heart for the nations or biblical basis of missions where
1: where could they get some resources? yeah, specifically on on the biblical basis? Yes. So, oh, man, I mean, Let the Nations Be Glad, the first, I, I, I've been pumping Piper a lot here, but <laughs> the first like five chapters of that book, I mean, man, I, I feel like I was already mobilized and that just like re-mobilized me. Have, have you read Let the Nations Be Glad? It's,
0: I've read part of it. It's like one of the classics that I've not quite got around to.
1: Yeah. So those first, like, just read the first five chapters and maybe that's how much you've read, but man, it is It's so good. If you just want to be like stirred for, for God's glory being made known among the nations, that that's the one for sure. Other than that, I mean, the perspectives course uh, is great. The missions course by the GoFund have you heard about the missions course? Mm -mm. So it's a new uh, six week, just journey through God's heart for the nations you could call it a, I mean, it's more of a mobilization tool. So my, my parents are going through it back home and they're taking their Bible study through it. And it's, it's just really good content, really good missions content. That's great for, for mobilizing others, man. I mean, our website traveling team.org, we have some really good articles. Uh, My boss, my, both of my bosses have written multiple books. Abrahamic revolution is a really good one for, for more Bible. Uh, And then, live life on purpose and uh it's all backward by claude hickman both of those are all right well what how do i figure out my purpose in life and the answer is well you look at god's purpose first and then you align your your purpose with that so i mean there's joshua project is great for for growing your heart for unreached people i'm sure you guys talk about that the unreached group uh, unreached people group of the day app Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's actually crazy to think about how many resources we have and mm-hmm. the knowledge we have of the people in the world. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: true. Especially when it comes from like my area of the world. And I'm like, well, I've never heard of that people group. <laughs> you know, I yeah, thought I knew totally. them all. Well. They, they really do some great stuff. Um, and you guys have a lot of great stuff. I use a lot of y'all's resources. So I definitely encourage people to go there. What if someone has listened to this and they were like, "Wowzer!" if I could get the traveling team to come to me, I would love that. How would they go about doing that?
1: Yeah. So our on our website we have a booking request form. So you just go to the tab at the top right and click on the link and just fill out that information and we'll we'll reach back out to you and, and set up a time to come to your campus. Uh, we, we get every campus every other year, which obviously means that if we're not in your region this year, then we'll be there next year. So we're currently scheduling for the Southeast, Florida, North and South Carolina, the upper Midwest. So Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, and then New Mexico, Arizona, California. So that's currently what we're scheduling for for the spring, but anyone can schedule a booking request, and we always go back to those when we're in those regions. Yeah, that's the definitely the best way for sure.
0: Excellent. Well, I definitely encourage you, if you get a chance to have the traveling team or take your group and go listen to where the traveling team is, um, by all means, jump in and do that. Uh, it will be really good. I love the work you guys do. What can we be praying for you guys for? What could our listeners be praying for you for?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, as a ministry, our prayer is just that that students would decide to align their purpose with God's purpose. That they would see that He's on a mission, and that they would wanna wanna be involved. So that's that's obviously maybe the biggest one and most obvious one. But you can pray for our staff. That they would, like we talked about earlier, be able to feed themselves well on the road, that they would love each other well i mean, I mean those are the things like you kind of said it if you go on campus and you didn't have the best talk or didn't connect with any students at a ministry if, if you're loving each other well and and you're you're just you're all in on the mission, like that's what matters the most it's your performance isn't what matters. It's just, it's loving each other, living out the gospel day to day. So you can be praying for, for all of them for that. Uh, And they're currently, we have a team in Georgia tonight, so you can pray for sir. He's doing his first Ah, bomb tonight, which will be passed by the time people listen, probably. Yes. And then we have a team in Michigan currently and a team in Arizona. So you can just be praying for the students. there. hearts would be prepared and people will be mobilized.
0: Excellent. Well, we will do that. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, Totally, man. Thanks for having me. Your ministry goes exceedingly well, and and pray that uh, out of of this podcast that it's a big help to those
1: who are listening. Totally. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, that wraps up our series on mobilizing. I think the real thing that I take away from this, uh, if there's a secret sauce to mobilizing, and there is, the secret sauce is the scriptures. It seems to be that no matter whether you're talking individually to somebody you know, like Mike and Peter talked about, or you're talking from the stage to a group that you don't know, you don't really have a read of how that group is, the key is communicating the scriptures. So first we need the scriptures to mobilize ourselves. Then we need the scriptures to mobilize people individually. And then we need to use the scriptures to mobilize people from the stage. I hope this has been a big help to you. Next up, I'm planning on releasing an episode of an interview that I did with David out in New Mexico, and he has done a great job of mobilizing a campus. It's not going to be specifically inside our mobilizing series, um, but he's just going to tell you some great stories about building ascending culture on his campus. I think you'll really enjoy that. Until next time, I'm sure appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you later.